Good morning. I like hands free when I preach. Please open your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 1, and I will also read a verse or two in the second chapter of the book of Genesis. Then in the book of John chapter 19, I'll read my concluding verses. Thank you, Brother Zach Wells, for that introduction. God bless you. We certainly love and appreciate Brother Wells. And I want to encourage all that are here to remember to pray for Sister Wells. Not only that she will feel better, but God will completely restore perfect health to this precious little lady. In fact, let's do that right now, shall we? Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands and let us pray for God to touch Sister Wells. And the church said, Amen. And before I begin the lesson this morning, I want to say good morning and give special honor to Bishop Brother B.A. Spell. Good morning, and may God bless that precious man. Thank you, Pastor and Sister Spells, for opening the doors of Life Tabernacle Church. And, of course, thank you to the church family. You are a great, great host. God bless you. To the... Executive Council of the South Central Region, chaired by Brother Patton, along with Brother Mills, Brother uh, Martin, and Brother Patrick. God bless you in Jesus' name. I want to give special honor to the guest speaker last night, Brother Rick Mayo. Not only was he anointed, but he was eloquent in preaching. What a timely Bible sermon we heard. Finally, and last but not least, I want to give special attention to a dear friend of mine. I give honor to Brother Greg Wilbanks from Coleman, Alabama. Love and appreciate Brother Wilbanks. God bless you. I think that I have about an hour, and I can usually take that pretty easily, so let's go to work. Let's see what the Lord will do for us. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then... We will look at verse 31 of Genesis chapter 1, and then chapter 2 we'll read a verse. Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. Chapter 2 and verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Fast forwarding time, approximately 4,000 years, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, was down to his last few gasping breaths and heartbeats. I pick up in the story of his execution in John 19 and verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that it might be be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon a hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The pulling together of these two readings in the first chapter of Genesis, and then a verse in the second chapter, God finished the creation process. And he looked upon everything that he had made, and he said, it is good. He said that six times. But on the seventh time, he said, it is very good. 
4,000 years later, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, his life of 33 years, his ministry of 42 months, was now ending. Suspended on the cross, when they pushed a soaked sponge of soured wine to his mouth, he said, it is finished. I want to preach a little while, and I hope I can teach some on this subject. It's not how you start, but it is how you finish. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands and invite the presence of God into your heart as we preach the gospel? You may be seated. Thank you. Many are the stories that are replete in the Bible where people started out with a tremendous opportunity for reasons unexplainable by me. They allowed those opportunities to be squandered away and at the finish of their life, Great opportunities were lost. One of the first human stories in the Bible, Adam and Eve. How can you start any better? The garden of God, paradise, as near as perfection as possible. But when it was finished, it was wilderness instead of a rainforest, if you please. Instead of the perfect tropics, it was briars, it was thorns, and it was thistles. Adam and Eve, it's not how you started. It's all about how you finished. He's quite popular, but he's not preached about much. His name is Gehazi. He was the servant of the prophet Elisha. This man had the possible opportunity to three-peat Elisha being the servant of Elijah. He requested, I want a double portion of my master's spirit and ministry. It's according who you read after. But most scholars have taught me that Elijah performed 14 miracles. Check that. Seven miracles. That being the possible case, Elisha, in fact, did perform 14 miracles. If you have a Dake's annotated Bible, Mr. Dake suggests that Elijah performed 14 miracles and Elisha performed 28 miracles. I certainly could not document this, but there was a chance that had Gehazi been faithful, he could have doubled Elisha. But because of the lure of Syrian fashions and styles and new clothes, and because of the lure of Syrian money, Gehazi swapped it away. What could have become a three-peat in the miracle ministry beginning with Elijah ended with a scaly disease of leprosy on the skins of a man that started out good, but it was not how he started. It was how he finished. I think some of you that are already ahead of me would expect me to go to the New Testament, and indeed I am. Is there a more classic and definitive example than the gentleman from Kiriath? We call him Judas from Iscariot. 
He was first of all one of the twelve. He was one of the seventy that Jesus sent out as lambs among wolves. I think that I can take enough of the general text of the Bible and tell you that Judas prayed and perhaps even performed miracles along with his colleagues. Judas might have been among that excited crowd that returned to Jesus and said, even the devils are subject to us. What a great beginning. But it was not how he started. It was indeed how he ended. As far as I know, Gehazi never wore the Syrian garments. As far as I know, Gehazi never spent a penny of Syrian money. But the very thing that he swapped his potential ministry for, he never lived to enjoy it. Now, I know what Judas did with the 30 pieces of silver. I have termed it like this. Before the death of Jesus Christ, he officially gave the last offering in the temple. He took the blood money, the betrayal money, and he didn't just give it, but he cast it down at the feet of the high priest. We know that after Judas committed the horrific suicide that he indeed did, he never enjoyed the benefits of what he swapped his ministry for. Not how you start. It's how you win. I think I have to be careful with the sense of pulpit diplomacy, but yet not to the point that I sound compromising. So I want to carefully say that I'm weary of the apostolic movement raising up great Young preachers. And then when there's a play from sin and Satan for them, they swap their ministry for the bright lights of the charismatic movement. I haven't come to pick on young preachers today, but I'm telling you, young men, it's not how you're starting, but you've got to finish this thing. I look at the bishop that is here today, Brother Spell, 89 years old, nigh unto 90 years of age. I don't detect a bit of compromise in this dear old man. And I pray that that spirit would touch every preacher in the house. We started out as one God preachers. Let's finish it that way. We started out as... What a baptism in Jesus' name, preachers. Let's finish it that way. We started out preaching holiness and separation from the world. Let's finish it that way. We were born with the power of Pentecost. I don't intend to swap out at this time of my life. The Apostle Paul said it like this, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have finished the course. Come on, preachers. Let's finish this thing. Come on, church people. Let's finish this thing. Bibles, as you may be seated, the heavens and the earth were finished. Seven times God saw the work. And he said, it's good. He saw the light that he made. And he said, it's good. He saw the earth and the seas that he made. And he said, it is good. He saw grass and herbs and fruit yielding trees. And he said, it is good. He saw the sun. He saw the moon. And he said, 
It is good. He saw the great whales and the winged fowl. And he said, it is good. He saw the beast of the field. He saw the cattle. He saw creeping things. And he said, it is good. Interestingly, though, when he saw man that was made in his likeness and in his own image, and he gave to man his own breath, not one time did God say, that's good, but he lumped man in with all of it, and he said, in all things that he made, and it was very good. When God saw the 500,000 solar systems in his universe, he said the 500,000 solar systems are good. When he saw the 88 constellations that he had made, he said the 88 constellations are good. When he saw the 100 billion galaxies in his universe, he said that's good. When he saw the great Milky Way, which is the home of 300 billion stars, 30 billion planets, God said, hey, that Milky Way is good. When God saw the earth, he saw what was to become the seven continents, the Arctic, the Antarctica, Asia, Australia, Europe, and North America. He said, That's good. When God saw the 65 major rivers, not counting the smaller tributaries that he made, God said, it's good. That great African river, the Nile. That great South American river, the Amazon. The great Chinese river, the Yangtzees. The great Mississippi, Missouri basin of the United States. He said, it's good. When God saw the oceans that he made that's named the Pacific, the Atlantic, the Indian, the Arctic, and the Antarctica, he said, that's good. When God saw the 130 seas that he had made, he saw the Caspian and the Adriatic and the Red Sea and the Black Sea and the Mediterranean Sea and the Indian Sea and the Persian Sea. He said, that is good. When God saw the seven major mountain ranges, the Andes of South America, the Rockies of North America, the Himalayas of Asia, the Great Dividing Range of Australia, the Transantarctica of Antarctica, the Tanshan of Asia, and the Ural of Russia, God said, that is good. When God saw his seven deserts, the Sahara, the Somali, The Kalahara, the Great Arabian, the Iranian, he said, these deserts are good. When God saw his 100 different species of trees, that's good. When God saw his 400,000 different species of flowers, he said, that's good. When God saw his 950,000 insects and creeping things, he said, that's good. When God saw 10,500 different fowl of the air, he said, that's good. When God saw 30,000 species of fish, he said, it's good. When God saw 5,400 mammals, he said, it's good. When God saw 8,200 reptiles, he said, it's good. I've come to tell you that what he started with, though, was nothing. It was without form. It was void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And out of this chaos, out of this disaster, God made what he calls that was good. Sit down, I'm going to preach a minute. When God got you in his hands, you had nothing for him to start with. Some of you were bums and alcoholics and winos and drug addicts and prostitutes and homosexuals. But look where you are today. Look what God has done for you.
<laughs> Fast forwarding time. Christ is on the cross. It's been well documented by writers very capably with their poetical pens and prose describing the greatest life that's ever been lived by a man, the life of Christ. Forty-two months of unparalleled ministry. But after three and a half years of the greatest sermons ever preached, three and a half years of the greatest parables ever taught, three and a half years of miracles, he hung now as one battered, bruised, blooded human being. His visage was changed more than the, than the visage of any man before or after. And as he was gasping for his final breath, someone took ancient anesthesia, vinegar, soured wine, and pressed it to his mouth. One of the writing evangelists said that when he had tasted it, he said, it is finished. I have fulfilled what I was sent to do. I've accomplished what I was sent to do. I have concluded what I was sent to do. I've left nothing undone. You know, the first miracle that Jesus performed in his earthly ministry was turning water into the best wine. And just 42 months after that phenomenal miracle at a wedding in Cana, in your face, Jesus, they pushed soured wine back into his face. I find it interesting that the Gospels of Jesus ends on a sour note as soured wine was pressed to the mouth of he that built a temple greater than Solomon's temple. Even though the Gospels ends on a sour note, I'm happy to tell you that on the day of Pentecost, it wasn't sour wine, but behold, these men are full of new wine. I've got to say this to some practical Pentecostals. I'm so sick and tired of dire, sour, frowning faces in the Pentecostal church. It's not from your bitterness that you are strong, but it's from your joy. Well, I don't feel joy today. Well, clap your hands until you feel it. Throw your hands up until you feel it. Shout the name of Jesus until you feel it. Very interestingly that the book of Genesis meticulously tells us that everything that God did in chapter 1 of Genesis, six times he called it good. On the seventh time, he called it very good. But when I have studied the writings of evangelist Matthew and evangelist Mark and evangelist Luke and evangelist John... They don't even hint that anything good was coming from Calvary and coming from the cross. So if you don't mind, I'm going to give you Odom's version of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his earthly ministry, he healed at least three blind men. That's good. In his earthly ministry, he cooled one fevered brow. That's good. In his earthly ministry, he cleansed and cured 11 lepers. That's good. In his ministry, he delivered five that were demon-possessed. That's good. In his ministry, he fed an aggregate total of 9,000 starving men. That's good. In his ministry, he told the palsy to walk. 
And he told the paraplegic to walk. That is good. In his earthly ministry, he healed a woman's hemorrhaging. And that is good. In his earthly ministry, he resurrected four corpses. That is good. In his earthly ministry, he restored a withered hand. That is good. In his ministry, he replaced a severed ear. That is good. In his ministry, he straightens Abraham's daughter's back from scoliosis, a boat back. That is good. In his ministry, he turned crystal clear water into purple wine. That is good. In his ministry, he calmed the storm. He walked on the sea and that is good I've come to tell you the devil thought that Calvary would end it but Calvary just started it there's a line that is drawn through the ages and on that line stands an old rugged cross On that cross, the battle is raging to gain a man's soul or a man's soul could be lost. On one side marches the force of evil, all the demons and the devil of hell. On the other side are the angels of glory, and they all clashed on Golgotha's hill. The earth shakes with the force of the conflict, and the sun refuses to shine. For there hangs God's Son in the palace, and through the darkness he cries, It is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There'll be no more war. It is finished. It's the end of the conflict. And Jesus is still the conquering Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm entering into my 56th year of full-time public speaking and gospel preaching. Do the math. That's over 16,000 times I have preached or taught or led Bible studies. And if you think I'm going to sell out for a morsel of bread, if... I know I'm supposed to be teaching, but I feel like if somebody will come up here and hold these mules, I'll show you how to shout a little bit. My friend, Brother Mayo, and I do mean this, sir, you were par excellent last night. I had to deeply respect your manners to come to the Deep South and almost go through a form of an apology about preaching a sermon that you had preached before. Don't do that down south. They know me. If they have me to preach, it's going to either be the cross or it's going to be Jesus Christ. That's it, brother. That's it. I've come to tell you that when Jesus died on the cross, not one of the writing evangelists said that this is a good thing. But I'm going to give you my whole argument in the next 15 minutes. And you'll be the judge and the jury. And I'll let your verdict represent you. But your verdict, if it differs from mine, it won't represent me. You see, through the death of Jesus Christ, there was born an apostolic church. That's good. It's a beautiful church. That's good. It's a Christ-like church. That's good. It's a dynamic church. That's good. It's an energized church. That's good. It's a faithful church. That's good. It's a glorious church. That's good. It's a helping church. That's good. It's a heavenly church. That's good. It's a holy church. That's good. And by the way, the last time I checked, it's still a church without spot and without wrinkle. And by the way, the last time I checked, it don't go to ball games. It don't go to dance floors. It don't hobnob with the cares of life. That's good. 
Our third sermon, Brother Mayo, is about the church, the cross, the Christ, and his church. It's a living church. I'm not in just to push Pentecostal calisthenics, just to get people emotionally in an uproar. I think sometimes we have tried to define our pandemoniums as really worship. I'm all for the noise, but it's got to be just more than noise. It's got to be a, it's got to be not just noise. It's got to be a, a joyful noise. It's a living church. You weren't saved to sit on a pew and take naps. You weren't saved to sit on a pew and find fault with a pastor. You weren't saved to be dead. But you were filled with life. And that life is more abundantly. You have this Holy Ghost. You can't help yourself. You will clap your hands. You got the Holy Ghost. You can't help yourself. You will leap for joy. You got the Holy Ghost. You can't help yourself because he's called you out of darkness. He's called you from death into this marvelous life. One more time. I think some of my skeptics are saying, Odom, you're just trying to get us worked up. I guess so, because I'm sick and tired of formal, ritual, ceremonial Pentecost. sister come on sister that's that holy ghost
It's well documented across Pentecostal pulpits and has been for centuries. But especially in the 20th and now the 21st century, the birth of the New Testament church. In part, I will quote, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all one place. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak in another tongue as the Spirit gave them the utterance to so speak. There were well over a dozen different countries that was on the day of Pentecost that it came for that high festival day. And when they heard this phenomenon, and while the Bible does not explicitly describe it, not only were they speaking with foreign languages, but they were obviously physically under the influence of heaven's power. Frankly, it was their contorted type actions that got the attention of all that had come to Pentecost in Jerusalem. And they said, these men are full of sour wine. I mean, no, 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 no. Boy, I want to wear that dead horse out right now. When's the last time some of you folks just laughed out loud in the devil's face? We are the best at talking about what's wrong and what's bad and how the devil's fighting us. I've come as an old preacher to tell you, get back up and put your finger on his nose and say, Hey, I'm full of that not sour wine. I've got that Holy Ghost wine in me. If it wouldn't be the wrong thing for me to do, I would call a victory march right now. If it wouldn't be the wrong thing for me to do, I would call a leap for joy right now. We've been sour. We've been bitter. We've been full of complaints long enough. Come back to your chairs. I'm not finished. This was how it started. Please be seated. I work very hard when it's my turn to be the speaker and the presenter of the gospel to do it with a sense of dignity. And I do not want to resort to hot dogism in the pulpit now. But when this church got started and it began to understand the full teachings of Christ and then the writings of the great word smiths, Paul and Peter and others, they described what this church was all about and what it looked like and how it acted. It's okay with me for the next few minutes if no one says amen. I'm so right, I'm not going to be driven by your, your support. But in the New Testament, the ladies of that church didn't cut their hair. Yeah. 
in the New Testament, they weren't weighted down with all kind of ornaments and all kind of jewelry. In the New Testament, they didn't have painted faces and immodestly exposing their body. But now we have a new breed of preachers trying to tell us that you're saved and all the light that you have. I want to preach about that light doctrine just a moment. The light doctrine is Jesus Christ is the light. And without him, there's nothing but darkness. What I've come to tell you, it started out as a real holy and a sanctified church. We're not going to change that in the year of 2019 when we wrap it up, when we're finished. The leaders still won't be cutting their hair. They still will not. I observed last night when the Bishop of Spokane was preaching that it was just really rallying to him until he touched a sacred cow and it wasn't quite as rallying. When he made the statement if we'd spend more time in prayer and less time in social media. We have gotten to the place that we want to protect our little likes and what we enjoy doing. You keep trimming that hair little girl and you're going to get into big trouble. Sir, you keep playing an internet porno, you're going to lose your marriage. You keep looking at all that filth on the internet, you're going to start living that. It's time for somebody to stand up and say it's wrong. If you can't stop it, get it out of your house. This church got started with the sound of wind, flash of fire. But when this church is finished... The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. And the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. I've always been really interested in some of the converts. And please be seated. I know my time is gone. And I want Brother Will Banks to preach. I believe God's gave you a word for us, preacher. I've been somewhat interested over my years of some of these first convents of Paul in that wicked city of Corinth. He itemizes 11 things that some of their backgrounds were. You said, now listen to me. When you started, you were unrighteous. When you started... You were fornicators. You want to preach a while? I believe you can do it. When you started, you were idolaters. When you started, you were adulterers and you're effeminate. Don't make me explain to you what that means. When you got started, you were abusers with mankind. And when you got started, you were thieves and you were covetous. When you got started, you were drunkards and revelers and extortionists. That's what you bunch of Corinthians were when you got started. But Paul didn't leave it there. But he said, but now we're going to finish it up. Now you're washed. Now you're sanctified. Now you're justified. The older I get, the more daring (laughs) I am in the pulpit. I think that a lot of pulpits are being closed to me because not because of my age and not because of my long sermons. But I put people on pins and needles because while I preach, I try to sing and they don't want me singing. Too late. I'm going to sing just a minute. (laughs) Is that my key? One day I started following Jesus. 
not caring for worldly gain. It don't sound too bad, does it? Though sometimes it seemed that I could not make it, I hung my head down in shame. The world around offered me its glitter, trying to dim my view. But I started out and I'm going to finish. This race I have begun though rough the road. Yes, still I'm going right on. The rivers are wide, the mountains are high. I don't see how in the world I can overcome those clouds hang low. Let the thunder roll. on I'm not going to stop now 55 years of this I ain't looking back I started out I think some of you are still needing me to prove what I'm preaching. The most beautiful lady in the world is with me today and she's been my wife for 55 years. I'm not going to ask her to do this, but if I did, she would. I would invite her to come and join me at this pulpit. And I want you to know that Sister Ramona and old brother Floyd Odom We were born in this thing shouting, and we're going to go out shouting. We were born in this thing praying and praising and worshiping. We're going to go out praying and praising and worshiping. Those old preachers told me to come out from among them and be a separate people. I bought into what they preached, and I still live that. Though rough the road, sing it with me. Though steep the climb, still I'm going on. Calling for the preachers to come up and meet me. If your wife is here, bring your wife with you. Preachers. Seems all hope is gone. Though clouds hang low, thunder may roll. Still I'm pressing on. I started out and I'm gonna finish this race I have begun Though rough the road Though steep the climb Still I'm going right on The rivers I cross They seem so deep Till it seems again oh go up the road go steep the climb 
still I'm going right on The rivers I cross They seem so deep Till it seems All hope is gone Clouds hang low Thunder may roll old-fashioned prayer meeting, brother with brother and sister with sister. Come on, preachers. Pray one for another. Come on, sisters. Pray one for another.